0: Amen. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Great worship this morning. So thankful to be able to come together and worship this morning. Well, if this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you've come to worship with us this morning. If you're joining, joining us online for the first time, welcome. My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. And um, if you have your Bibles, we're just going to jump right into things today. Go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've well, been going through the book of 1 Corinthians um, over the last few weeks, well, quite a few weeks, actually, and we've worked our way up to chapter 12. One of the things about 1 Corinthians is Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about unity. He starts out this book telling them that they're, they're, they're divided and that, that, he, that he really wants the church unified. And so he's given us all types of practical things that we can apply to our lives. And, and a couple of those things, one of them is humility. We really we saw some, some pride issues coming out in the, the Corinthians. He's going to address that again today. Um, he talked about how they would elef, elevate men. And, and some of them were saying, I'm with a Paul. And others of them were saying, I'm with Apollos. And then they had a couple other guys. They're saying, I'm with this guy. You know, they had these divisions. And, and Paul gives us all these, these really practical things that we can do to stay unified as a church. So we're looking at what Paul says to the church in Corinth and then we're talking about what that means for me and you today and how that affects and changes our lives. Today he's going to be talking about teamwork. Teamwork. My wife said teamwork makes the... Hey, good job. Dreamwork, right? There's all these, all these um, you know, quick one-liners about teamwork, right? If you talk about teams, like some of the greatest teams of all time um, what, what, are some, what do you think are some of the greatest teams of all time? Anybody? Any guys out there? Big teams? Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns the dynasty, right? What, what about some other teams? They, they actually had a good season. Lombardi's Packers. Lombardi's Packers. Yeah, that was a great team. One of the teams I was thinking about, and I'm a 90s kid, right? So one of the teams I was thinking about is the 90s Chicago Bulls. MJ, right? like seven championships, I mean, just this amazing team, great coach, Phil Jackson, he had all these amazing one-liners, too, that were really good, and I think about that team, and I think Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, B.J. Armstrong, right, some of the greats, all-stars, but many people forget about this young skinny kid from Dayton, Ohio, you guys know who that was? John Paxson, yeah, my dad played basketball with him at the downtown Dayton Y, MCA. John Paxson, just this little skinny kid from Dayton, Ohio, played in the NBA. He was just over six feet tall, weighed in at a buck 85. and um, just amazing. If you saw this documentary, "The Last Dance," you saw Michael Jordan talk about his teammates. One of the most amazing things about that documentary. Is when he said there'd be no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, there'd be no championships without great team, without a great team. It was just really neat to see that when you talk about a great team, it takes every single person. No one person. There's no what's that other one liner? There's no I in team, right? It takes everybody doing their part playing their part in order for a championship to be won, in order for games to be won. Today we're going to see what God's idea of teamwork really is, really is. And it's, it's really cool. I'm really excited to share this with you. Because really what we're going to find out is that every single person has a part to play in this amazing story of redemption that God has written for humanity. Every single person. You have a destiny. You have a God job that God set aside for you to do before time began, before creation was created. God knew your name and he set things aside, good things aside for you to do. No one here is here on accident. You have a purpose. We're going to look into that today. Let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are here with us. God, that even now you are moving on our hearts and you are changing us, growing us, making us more like your son, Jesus. So as we open your word today, Father, we pray that it would penetrate deep into our hearts and take root. We lay down our will. We lay down our ideas and we say, come and have your way, Father. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives for your kingdom and your glory use us up for you in Jesus name amen all right first corinthians chapter 12 i'm going to pick it up in verse 12 for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body jews or greeks Slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Practical stuff, right? Right? That's some real practice. I'm going to stop right there. And the first fill-in in in your notes that you got as you came in today is this. We are one. We are one. The word one is used five times in four verses there. This call to and expectation of unity is nearly palpable here right in these verses. We are created to be in relationship with one another. With one another. We were baptized into the body of Christ, and now, according to verse 13, we are all equal or one. No matter your nationality or your financial status, we are equal and unified. We are one. Now, here's the cool thing about this unity that Paul's getting at, and one of the things that we see in in God Himself and who He is. We are called to unity, not uniformity. We're called to unity, not uniformity. This is the beauty of God's creative design. God, the creati- creator of creativity, and everything, everything, the things that we create, are meant to be a reflection of God's provided creativity. We see the, the depths and greatness of God's creativity in the diversity of human beings. Of the billions of humans that have walked the planet, we are yet defined Two with the same fingerprints. Let that sink in for just a second. Of the billions of humans that have walked the planet, we are yet to find two of them that have the same fingerprints. We see God's creativity in the diversity all around the world. Remember that song we grew up singing? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, right? This beautiful diversity in the cultures and people all over the world, it reflects His creativity, the beauty of His design. God providentially provides us with a beautiful diversity that reflects and reveals His creativity and beauty. As Christians, we are called to proclaim and make much of God's creativity. We're called to look at a beautiful sunset and say, wow, look what God has done. To look at the mountains and the oceans and the valleys and and all of the animals that that fill this earth and say, man, look at this. Look at all these different types of dogs. I mean, they're crazy. There's little ones and there's big ones. There's medium-sized ones. There's massive ones. And we look at bears and all the different... We as Christians are called to proclaim the greatness of God in all of creation. It reflects His beauty and glory and majesty, His power and creativity. All of it points us to our Creator. It's really meant to draw us to worship. When we look and see these amazing, beautiful things. Maybe it's an evening, a clear, cold winter evening. You're standing outside in the negative five degrees. And you look up and you see all of those stars. The universe declares the glory of God, our creator. And it's meant to draw us to worship him. The more we celebrate the truth of God's word and the beauty of God's creation together, the more we reflect the unity God intends the church to have as a witness to the world of who He is and what He's done. Now here in these verses, He makes those distinctions in regards to status or nationality, but we remember that the context is in the church and using our spiritual gifts for the common good. So this creativity that we've been talking about and the things that we see in all of God's creation we see them in our spiritual gifts as well. And they're not meant to like set us apart and separate us out from the church community. They're meant to draw us in and connect us even more together. Because the the diversity of gifts that God has given each person that comes to Mission View Church is for His glory and our good. You are needed. Your gifts, those specific gifts that God has given you, are not meant to set you apart and separate you out, but they're meant to draw you in and bind us together. Paul goes on, he says, These spiritual gifts are meant to unify, not divide us. In verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. We can say all we want. (laughs) That's really what he's getting at. You can say whatever you want. But you are a part of the body of Christ. And that's really good news. And really hard news to hear sometimes, too. Let's just be honest. Being a part of the body can be difficult. I don't know if you've ever experienced it before, but anytime you're in relationship with other believers, other human beings, other sinners, they can sin against you. Maybe, maybe you've attended a, a church in your past for, for years, and you, I mean, you devoted your life to God's work in that church, and you built and developed relationships maybe over years, maybe even decades. Vulnerability and trust was built over time. Maybe somebody there betrayed your trust. Maybe the church went in a different direction than what they claimed or, or, or what they, they said they had planned. Man, that creates a really difficult thing, doesn't it? It hurts. Now, here's here's what God's doing in all of that. God wants to grow us and change us. And He's more concerned about our holiness than He is our happiness, wherever we are. God wants you to be happy, right? Sure. But He wants you to be holy more than He wants you to be happy, He wants to grow you and change you and and make us more like his son Jesus. That's what he's concerned about. And so in order to do that, what he does is he puts us in these close, vulnerable relationships with other Christians who make mistakes and maybe say things they shouldn't say at times. It's in those moments of vulnerability and brokenness That God does an amazing work in His people. That we can walk out and live out this thing called repentance. This thing called forgiveness. Let me just tell you, if you're going through something really difficult in one of your relationships right now, I can tell you this in all honesty and truth, that God wants to use that struggle that you're going through right now To draw you closer to him. He loves you. And he wants to take whatever you're going through and use it for his glory and your good. And he wants you closer to him. Now, with that being said, there are times in our our lives and in our relationships that we have where it's time to cut ties, right? There are times where, where people take left turns that we know aren't the right direction to go and we need to make a change. And sometimes forgiveness and sometimes this process of repentance and forgiveness leads us down a different path and that's okay. But with that being said, we need to draw close to the Lord in whatever it may be. So we're meant to be a part of the body of Christ. We're meant to live out this Christian life together in unity. And there's gonna be bumps in the road. Paul makes it really clear. I mean, some, and there's gonna be times where you're like, I know that I'm a hand, but I just don't wanna be a hand, a part of the body. I am sick of people. I am, they just, you know what? They're just hard to deal with. Well, Paul says, it doesn't matter if you wanna be a part or not, you are a part of the body of Christ. Don't waste, don't waste the struggle. God wants to use it for his glory and your good. Unity takes sacrifice. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Now, your station in the church or your gifts for the church don't make you separate. It makes you apart. And one of the things that Paul has been saying all through 1 Corinthians so far is that pride divides us, but humility unites us. That pride divides us, but humility unites us. Now, there's a story behind those, those first two or the first three championships that the Bulls won in the 90s. And it's a really interesting story. It goes right along with what Paul's talking about here. In the first and third championships, uh, Michael Jordan didn't take the final shots. I mean, you think about those championship Bulls, you think either it's got to be Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen taking those final shots. But in the first championship, John Paxson, of all people, Scored like 12 of the last 10 points the Bulls had, win the championship. And in the third championship, the story goes like this. It's the final seconds of the game. The Bulls are down. There's one shot left. They go over to the sidelines, and Phil Jackson's calling a, a play. Michael stops him and he goes over to, to John Paxson. He says, Listen, I'm gonna make this move. Your guy's gonna come off of you. You're gonna triple team me in the paint. I'm gonna pass the ball out to you. You're gonna win the championship for us. And John Paxson says, Okay. They go out onto the floor. Jordan makes his move. Goes down to the paint. They triple team him. He tosses the ball out to Paxson, and the rest is history. He makes the shot. I mean, Jordan, being Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, could have just said to himself, man, I've got a couple championships under my belt. I want the glory for myself. I am Michael Jordan, MJ. I'll just take the shot. Triple teamed, quadruple teamed, it doesn't matter. There was a certain humility about that, passing off that final shot. The moral of the story is this every single one of us are gifted for God's kingdom, and every single one of us are needed. Your gifts are needed. Read on in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But get this, this is good. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You might want to underline that. Circle verse 18, highlight it. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The second fill-in in your notes is this. Every single one of us is needed. Every single one of us is needed. Here we see two really important points that Paul makes. The first one is that every single one of us is needed or necessary. Now, you are not wanted. You are wanted, but you are not just wanted. You are needed. Let's say I had a job for you to do, okay? And it was a fairly simple job at my house. And I was like, hey, could you come help me out? I've got this really simple thing to do. Maybe just trim some tree limbs for me. And you're like, oh, yeah, no problem, Matt. I've got a special tool for that because this long, you know, uh, thing that cuts it all, you know, with a string. Oh, I'll bring that over. As you can tell, I'm, I don't trim my trees. And I just you're just like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm over. So you come over to my house one early morning. It's going to take you a couple hours to get this thing done. I said, all right, man, here's your blindfold, and I'm going to handcuff your hands behind your back. Let's get this done. Let's do this. You're like, well, well wait a second. Wait a second. I, I, I can do this, but I can't do it with my hands tied behind my back or blindfolded. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I, I, you said you could do this. and Well, I need my eyes, and I need my hands. What? What becomes an an hour job or a three-hour job that's pretty simplistic, I mean, just knock it out in a couple hours, becomes nearly impossible. Impossible. That's what happens. When we come to church, sit in the seats and sing some songs, head home, live out another week, come back to church Sunday morning and sit in the seats and, oh, it's a great Sunday morning to play my favorite song head home and live another week, that's that's not the Christian life. The, The church is a body that every part is needed. If you are coming to church and just attending church, it's like the church is walking around without any eyes. We have a job to do. We have a tree to trim. We have a gospel to share. And if there's people here that are not using their gifts, we are blind, or we have no sense of smell, or we have no sense of hearing. God has gifted you, and you are not just needed. You are necessary for us to accomplish the the vision and the purpose that He set before us. You are necessary. You are necessary. God's telling us through Paul that That's kind of what was going on in the church in Corinth. That some were frustrated and upset with what other people were doing in the church. Oh, he just follows Apollos and they're going to separate themselves out. I'm going to use my gifts and just follow Paul. Or no, no, they're just all for Paul. I'm just separate. You know, we're going to just divide here and go this direction. and, And the church is just going to be this broken mess of a thing. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. It's called the Great Commission. God has given us a job to do. And we cannot do this job just 20% of us. It takes all of us together. If we're going to reach the 200,000 with the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of God, it's going to take every one of you sitting in here today and every single one of you watching online right now. This is a big deal. Because people's eternities are at stake People's eternities are at stake. We believe that that there's a real God who, who came and gave us a job to do because he loves people. And he doesn't want anyone to be separated from him for eternity in hell. So he's called us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That he loves them. That he died for them. That even now He makes a place for them in eternity. We can't read this text and then just do nothing. We can't come to the understanding of of this unity and this, this purpose that God has for us and then just go and sit at home. What is it that God has put on your heart to do? What is it that God's moving on you to do? It was, it was probably about six months after I moved here. And I'm going to give a big shout out to the, the welcome team now. But it's about six months after I moved here. And um, I was sitting in my office and they said, Hey, Matt, um, there's a couple here. They've, they wanted to meet with you and talk with you. and um, Yeah, Dave and Sue Whitman are here. So I'm like, oh no, here we go. What did I say on Sunday, right? You know, they didn't email me. It's in person. I must have really blew it, you know, and so, so I prepare myself to meet with this, this couple, and, and I didn't know them real well, just kind of in passing and different things, and so they come in, and we sit down in the conference room, and and I'm like, you know, sweating bullets, and I'm, I'm ready for I've got my Bible. I think I have my Bible with me, you know, and I was trying to think through everything I had said in my sermon and everything else, and, and David looks over at me, and he says, hey, um, just wanted you to know, just glad you're here. Um, you know, I, I worked at a church for a while, and, and Sue and I serve here in the church, and, you know, we, we, we see some things that we think we could really help with, and and, um, I, you know, you have some, some greeters and different things, but we think we could take it to a whole other level, man. I, you know, if me and Sue came to help out, I think we could take this greeter thing and just blow it out of the water. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That would be awesome. That would be great. He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, first time, give it a, a visitor's bags. I'll deliver those. You know, I'll, I'll, you know whoever new person... Anybody here get a visitor bag at their house when they came for the first time? Yeah, Dave Whitman. Doesn't matter where you live. I mean, he'll drive He'll drive hours. I, I, I forget where it was. Somebody visited. It was like an hour and a half away. Dave drives there drops off a visitor's bag at their house. It was like the parent of one of our attenders. You know, they were just visiting that one day. Happened to fill out a first-time visitor. But anyways, they come to me and they're like, oh yeah, we, this, was, this was them just like thinking, oh my gosh, God, God has gifted me for his kingdom. And he's putting all this on my heart. They didn't get frustrated because we didn't have like a hundred greeters and everyone that was coming in wasn't getting greeted. And that not all the bags were being, they weren't, they weren't just frustrated. They, they were moved by that. They were excited by that. They were like, oh, yes, yes, this is what we can do. This is what we can accomplish for God's kingdom. And so, man, so I gave him the green light and the rest is history, man. I mean, I'm wearing my shirt today. My, uh, for, you know, the ask me. You know, they they made shirts, and they've got a team of people together, and they're using their gifts for God's kingdom. And so many people have been blessed. What is God doing in you? Maybe you see things in the church, and you're just like, oh, man, man, I, I could really help with that. Or maybe it's something brand new. Maybe God's moving in your heart right now, and you're just, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, there's there's people, there's single moms out there that just have so much need, and I've, I've got all this stuff. I mean, Maybe I should do something. What is it? What is it that God is moving on your heart about? You know, I said it last week. If you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, start serving in the church. Because the spiritual gifts are given for the common good. So if you want to know your spiritual gift, start serving. Start working for the kingdom. And see what God does through the power of His Holy Spirit in you. Here at Mission View Church, we believe that every single one of us has a mission that God has for us find your mission now the second thing Paul points out and this is a carryover from last week it's that God chooses your station and your gifts God chooses in verse 18 it said but as it is God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose you are not here by happenstance you don't have the gifts that you have on accident. God chose and arranged all of this for his glory and for your good and for the good of the church. Isn't it amazing? I, it's a, this is amazing to me. That God would use you and me. The hot mess that we are. Let's just be honest. We're in church. We're a mess. We are a mess. There's not one perfect person in here. I if you are, I haven't met you yet. I look forward to meeting you. Because your name's Jesus. It's the only perfect person, right? No, I mean, if we're really honest, we're just humans. We're, try, we're just, trying to, you're just trying to make it through this mess, right? But God's, God's gifted you and given you a place to serve and a job to do. What? That God would think of us? That God would use us? You have the opportunity to actually play a part in the most amazing, world changing redemption story ever that has eternal consequence. God is saying, Hey, you, hey, Bob, hey, Sally. This is your time. This is your place. I have something for you. And guess what? You don't even have to audition to play your part. I've given you the gifts and I've given you the skills that are going to make the greatest impact for my kingdom. Come and be a part. Come and be a part of what I have for you. Come on. It doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. For years, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you for years and years, I wanted to be a rock star. I mean, I wanted to be a rock star. I toured with bands, tour buses, and all that stuff. I played in front of 20,000 people. I did all that stuff. I wrote songs that were published. I made royalty checks and all these other things. Now my wife would say they were $15 royalty checks, and they were, but you know, I did all the things, right? I had all this stuff, and I just wanted this for me. I love to be in front of people, and I love to play guitar and do the big guitar solos and everything else. And I searched and seeked out all this stuff for selfishness and sin. And I tell you this, and David, I'll tell you this. I played in front of 25,000 people. There is nothing ever better than using your gifts in front of 300 people for the kingdom of God. I would throw it all away. Throw it all away. Every single second of it. Just to stand here for five seconds and tell you this. Jesus loves you. He has a job for you. He's changed your life for his glory. And there's nothing better, nothing, nothing better than laying your life down for the kingdom of God and the lost people that are going to hell. If you don't just say something, tell them, live a life that loves Jesus for them to see. Throw it all away. Lay your life down for the cross. There's nothing better That wasn't in my notes, but the Holy Spirit works. (laughs) God has given you gifts. You don't get to choose those gifts. He chose them for you. And Here's a good thing to know. He chose them for you because he knows the joy you will find in them. Because no one knows you like the one who created you and formed you in your mother's womb. No one knows you like that. Only God does. So those gifts, those are special gifts set aside for you. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Be a part, play your part, and see what God will do. Let's move on to verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, now get this, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. but that the members may have the same care for one another. We really need to get this. We really need to get this. There's nobody greater than others. Man, I'm telling you, if people are elevating gifts and elevating the people with those gifts, that is not the Lord. It is not the Lord. There is unity here because of the humility that's, that's called about it. The weaker parts are indispensable. I love that word the SV uses. Indispensable. Do no, you know what that means? There's no little job. There's no such thing as a little job in the kingdom. Whatever your gift is and however you use it for his kingdom, it is, it is no less than me preaching on Sunday morning. Or the Whitmans are missionaries. Or any missionary in the world. There's no greater or less. It is is called to equality because we are all indispensable. That there, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There's that, that word that comes up all the time that just gets us one another, right? For one another. Get this, verse 26, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Now, in the Greek, if we were to break down the Greek right here, this is rhetorical that, a rhetorical question that demands a no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess the gift of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, this word higher in the Greek, this is really important. This word higher in the Greek uh, could be translated louder or greater. And means, it means that gifts that do the most for the common good. That's what he's talking about. Not that there's this higher echelon of gifts, but the, cause, right? Because he just said there's no higher echelon of gifts. <laughs> We're all equal. So he's not talking about this higher level gift. He's talking about gifts that do a greater good, that make the highest impact for God's kingdom. So asking yourself the question, what gifts do I have that will meet the needs of my church body? That's the question. What gifts do I have that will meet the needs of my church body? Don't make this scripture about yourself. Make it about the common good of the church. So many times... You know, people read this text, and the only part that they actually read is that list of of gifts or stations in the church. And that's not even, we don't even get an exhaustive list there. That's not the point. The point is that God's gifted us for the common good and for unity. It is not about us. It is about the person beside you and the person behind you. He goes on and he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So there's something even greater here. There's something going on underneath all of this that he's going to get to in detail next week. But our third point for this week is this. Our spiritual gifts do not determine our value. Our spiritual gifts do not determine our value. God wants to be clear. Our spiritual gifts are not meant to be worn around like little merit badges that say we are more spiritual or more important than anyone else that's not what they're for. In those we think of as less honorable, we bestow even greater honor. To the unpresentable parts, we treat with greater modesty. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We win and we lose as a team. We win and we lose as a team. This is the way I have treated the staff and, and the church as we work together for God's kingdom. If, if one of us messes up and loses, we all feel it, right? We all feel it. I mean, we see it in, you know, great leaders in the church that maybe were great in public and had a terrible personal life. We see them fall and the church feels it, Right? If I fail, we all fail. If you fail, we all fail. We all feel it. Now, what does that mean? It changes the way that I kind of live and think because I'm really, really concerned about you. Now, I have my life, and I have my issues, and I have all these other things, but, man, I love Josh. I want Josh to succeed. I love Don. Don. Man, I want Don to just go and do the things God's called him to do. I want Pat. Man, I want God to just do amazing things in Pat and Scott. I love you guys. And if you succeed, if you win, it is a win for the body of Christ. That's what he's saying. If you succeed, we just rejoice alongside you. So I'm going to do everything I can to see Joe just blow discipleship out of the park from Mission View Church. I'm gonna do everything I can to see Josh and Sharon serving in the youth ministry and just blowing it up for God's kingdom. I wanna see Mike just counseling people with God's word and changing their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when he wins, we win. When you win, we win. And when you fail, we fail. It changes things, doesn't it? It takes us out of this, like, me, myself, and I mentality. I don't know about you, but I can fall into that. It gets really ugly when my life gets kind of messy. I kind of withdraw into myself, and I, I think about, oh, i got to have this. i got to have this. i got to have this. I need this. I need this. I need this. I, I forget you know, that the Bible teaches that all I really need is Christ. And I start adding things to it. It's Jesus and, and my you know, 10 hours of quiet time or whatever it may be. No, it is. we think this way, and we, we train our minds to think this way. It takes us out of this selfishness, and it puts us into this idea of, man, if, if I just come alongside so-and-so, and God just does something in their life, man, it's, this could be amazing. We start to value others above ourself. Like the Lord teaches us to that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but, but also the interests of others. That's why he says that in Philippians, because he knows what's going on when we are unified. In any team sport, you can have somebody who goes out and they're the best player. But if they take their team for granted, they may score 48 points a game for talking basketball. may just score 48 points a game, but they're never going to win a championship. They may win a few games. They may pat themselves on the back at the end of the season, but they'll watch the other teams play for the championship at the end of the season. When we serve one another, when we invest in each other, we win. This is the great and difficult work of being the church. We get to work together, and we have to work together. God puts us in relationship with other human beings for our joy, for our sanctification, but strategically for his kingdom work. We are all valuable not because of the gifts we have, but because the gifts we have come with the fingerprint that marks us as priceless. Did you hear that? We are all valuable not because of the gifts we have, but because the gifts we have come with the fingerprint that marks us as priceless. When you use your gifts... For the kingdom of God, people are going to see God at work in you. What a testimony that is. What a testimony that is. We don't find our value or identity in our gifts or what we can do. We find our value and identity in the one who chose us and chose the gifts that he would give us. It's a God thing. Using our gifts for his kingdom is the most amazing God thing we can be a part of. You know, I just pray that as I was sharing from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that that God stirred your heart, that God stirred your heart for his kingdom. I don't know what gifts he's given you, but I know that he has gifted you. What is he calling you to do? This week, as you think about that and you pray about that, I just want to pray for you that God will give you courage, that you would step up and speak out and use the gifts that God's given you for His kingdom. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your gifts that You've given. We recognize that that You choose these gifts for us and on purpose and for Your purpose. So for all those who have, have listened today and have heard, Father, I pray that this truth from Your Word would take deep root in their hearts that you would stir them so much they would not be able to deny it anymore. Stir us up to action, Father. Stir us up to action for your kingdom. Reveal those gifts that you've placed in us. Your story of redemption, Father, this amazing plan that you set forth before time began, you are inviting us into to be a part, to play a part for your glory, Father. Help us to have courage to step into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing our last song today, I want to just um, let you know about an opportunity maybe to use your gifts for God's kingdom. And we have um, a special thing we're doing for a, um, Whitewood, the Whitewood Village. If you don't know, we partner with Whitewood Village. It's a retirement home. We provide services for them. Chris Durfler back there, he um, goes and preaches there shares God's word with them. We have another a family that we serve with that does that as well. Um, we found out that over COVID, it's just been really hard on uh, the elderly in that home and on the staff. So what we wanted to do was uh, provide some gift baskets for them. So uh, there's a list of things that we need to put together these gift baskets. And if you'd like to be a part of this and help out, there's... Um, a list of things that you can, you can grab and bring back next week as we put these together. And if you ever want to help out or serve um, at Whitewood Village here in North Canton, we would love to have you be a part of that and serve there as well. So let's go ahead and stand as we sing our closing song today.